list. <laughs> like? One of the things on my bucket list is we're going to stay in the hotel that was the inspiration for Stephen King to write The Shining. <laughs> That's a little too scary for me. <laughs> Knowing The Shining. I know, Is it right? a scary hotel? Because, um, I mean, I would think based on The Shining. But... I think so. Yeah, they didn't film they have... the Stanley Kubrick film there, but they did Don't film the series. Well, check this out. Jerry wants to stay in one of their haunted rooms. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel good about it at all. <laughs> You're listening to The Sociable Scribes, two professional writers who work hard, play hard, and love to have fun on the job. Word stylist Nikita Rowell-Stevens and publishing consultant Kim Ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients. Let's talk about writing, the good, the bad, and the awesome, while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you. If you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about writing and publishing and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim. Two writers who love to socialize. The Sociable Scribes. So, Nikita, what is behind your curtain this week? Well, Kim, it's been quite a unique week for me. Mm, do tell. <laughs> um, well, if you can't tell by my red eyes mm. and a little stiffly, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with a little bit of um, allergy issues, which has been kind of an ongoing issue for the for this season. It's been a rough allergy season. It's been a bad allergy season. It really has. So, so I've been kind of fighting through that, but that kind of came on the heels of, I got a silicone earplug stuck in my right ear for three days. (laughs) Oh no. And so, okay, more details, please. (laughs) It sounds very gregarious goofball. Like I understand, (laughs) but let me tell you, it was not funny at the time, but, uh, my ear is clear now. Thank you. I can hear. Yay. Thank God we don't have to wear headphones today because I would just have like a headphone in one ear. <laughs> um, but um, my, my husband has had, you know, developed a bit of a snoring habit in the last couple of months. And so I started wearing silicone earplugs because I'm a pretty light sleeper. Yeah. And um, I figured that that was a better solution than me kicking him in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm sure he prefers the earplugs yeah, to he, being he kicked. He doesn't yes. like me kicking him. So, <laughs> so I, I, the earplugs have been working pretty uh-huh. well. And oh, um, we were out of town this past weekend, and I deviated from the, the brand I normally buy, mm-hmm. just thinking they're all the same. Right. But I believe the silicone in this particular off-brand was softer. Mm. And so um, it got stuck in my ear. Um, I didn't realize until maybe 12 hours later, because when I woke up that morning, it didn't occur to me. I had kind of that water ear feeling. Yeah. But sometimes when you wear earplugs, your your ears pop and you kind of have that feel. Yeah. So I didn't think anything of it until I got home later that evening and realized my ear still kind of had that weird feeling. Yeah. And so I took took a bobby pin just out of curiosity, like, oh, let me just jiggle around in there. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Like the little white silicone started coming out of my ear. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh no! And so um, I was able to get some of it out, but it was obviously um, still some of it lodged into my ear canal at that oh, point. Oh man! And so um, Derek tried several times to get it out with tweezers, ah. but 
the silicone was too soft for mm-hmm. him to get it out. He was just pinching little pieces off. So mm. um, it was it it was quite a journey. Because um, <laughs> I mean, that was Aww. Sunday. Um, we got the earplugs out. The earplug out on Wednesday because I actually had to end up going to the doctor oh to get it gosh. taken out. Um, because so much pressure was building up in my ear. Oh, I couldn't like, yeah. I like literally was like, you were talking, I was like, whoop, 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 whoop. like, you know, <laughs> I could hear you, right. but it sounded like you were in this hole. Like if you talked in that ear, <laughs> Derek was whispering to me, we we're in a meeting. I'm like, I can't, you're in my bad ear. I can't hear. Oh no. <laughs> so I, my ears are clear. Yay. Thank you, Lord. Oh. So I am feeling a little bit better now because now I'm doing allergy stuff. So it's, it's kind of been like one of those, like, Oh my God, why am I kind of getting hit with all these little things this week? Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I'm perfectly fine. It's just been like, it's just been one of those weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So yes. that's what's behind my curtain. Kim. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what <about> you? <laughs> Let's see. Um, hopefully it's a lot better than mine. It's been a good week. Yeah. yeah. It's been a good week. So, um, uh, this week was the week that um, uh, my client and our fellow Synapse Network member, Mark Wynn, oh. published his book. Yay. So we had a big launch this week, Yay. which was fantastic. So he had a, a book launch at American Family Fitness. Now, we were a little stressed because the shipper did not ship the books on time. So we were flipping out at first and we're like, what are we going to do? And then um, we collaborated and said, you know what? We're still going to have the book launch. What we're going to do is do pre-sales. So as each person came, we had a proof of the book. So we could show people the book. I said, the proof has become proof that the book exists (laughs) since the dang printer didn't send it in time. Um, But we took down uh, names and phone numbers. And um, and Mark said, you know, as soon as the books come in, I'm going to sign them for you. And then you can come back and pick them up. We had an American family. And it worked out beautifully. Hmm. And it was such a great event. He had tons of friends and family come. He did three different readings from his book. And it's awesome. It's called The Chickens Will Tell on You. And it's farm wisdom for family life and living. Oh, oh, it's awesome. It's such a good book. So so that was really cool this week. So I'm so happy for him. Yeah. And um, let's see. What else has been going on? Um, I think that was my big excitement for this week. I've got a few projects going on that I'm trying to wrap up. Um, uh, Jerry and I are going to be going on vacation in August. So I want to try to get some of those things you know, kind of wound down before that time. Well, vacation is fun. So tell everyone where you're going. Oh, this is so much fun. Okay. So we're going to fly out to Colorado. We're going to visit my friend, Tracy. She lives out uh, in a little town called Minturn. It's near Vail, Colorado. Okay. And that's really fun. And we're going to go to Colorado Springs. And then we're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's on our bucket list. (laughs) One of the things on my bucket list is we're going to stay in the hotel that was the inspiration for Stephen King to write The Shining. (laughs) That's a little too scary for me. (laughs) Knowing The Shining. I know, Is it a scary hotel? Um, Because, I mean, I would think based on The Shining. I think so. Yeah, they didn't film the Stanley Kubrick film there, but they did film the miniseries. Well, 
check this out. Jerry wants to stay in one of their haunted rooms. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel good about it at all. I I don't know how I feel about that either. (coughs) I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Being in the hotel is one thing. Being in a haunted room seems like kind of like, you know, pushing one's luck. So, mm. yeah. So, anyway. You let me know how that goes. <laughs> okay. He I, may stay in the haunted room and I may stay at the different I one. don't even go in haunted houses. So, <laughs> best believe I won't go in a haunted room. I scare oh, very easily. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I won't go to King's Dominion when they do the... Really? No, I think I would punch somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> I just... Because I have no control over what I do when I'm scared. Like... <laughs> And they chase you with these things. Oh, they, they get up in your um, personal space. I think I would actually clock somebody. <laughs> it's very unnerving yeah. because, yeah. The things that, you can't be responsible for what you do when you're scared. Right. Because right. you're not yourself. No. So somebody so might get hurt. So sure. I, don't go. I, don't go. I think it's wise that you yeah, I don't like to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People have tried to talk me like, no, no, I won't do the haunted hayride. I don't do the maze because I can't even get through the maze on paper. How in the heck am I going to get through a maze on the ground? (laughs) Like for real? You know? (laughs) So, no. Are you talking about one of those things on paper? I've never gotten to the end of those. (laughs) Never. Not as a child or an adult. (laughs) I will not go into a corn maze. No, thank you. (laughs) That's too funny. Oh my gosh. So, you have to let us know how that goes. I, will, I cannot absolutely. wait to hear. Absolutely. I'm glad you didn't go in October. Yeah, no, I think it's better to go in. Um, I'm pretty sure they've got some trips in, in, in October. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, we're going to do some other fun stuff. Like we're going to go to um, see Mount Rushmore. Oh, fun. Always wanted to see that. Yeah. Take and, pictures. Oh, definitely. And I've always wanted to go to the Mall of America. Oh, I could do some damage. I know. Do you like to shop? I love to shop. I'm like, hot dang. I can't wait to go there. Please tell me you've got some kind of shopping budget that you can. (laughs) You don't go to a mall without. Without, I mean, hello. I got to get something from the Mall of America. Hello. They have like a amusement park inside the mall. That's how big it is. Are you going to ride? Are you going to ride the roller coaster? Maybe. I don't know because I do get sick on roller coasters. So you it might went not be. skydiving. I know. How I do know. you get. Like, see, I, I'm not brave enough to skydive, but I love me some roller coasters. I love roller coasters too, but they make me hurl. Really? Yeah. That, that's another gregarious goofball story that I'll have mm. to share with you. Oh, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. I might be able to have an amusement park story to match that one. Oh, okay, okay. So I awesome. have to feel bad. Awesome. But yeah. So, but yeah, that's what's been happening this week. So okay, fun. I'm so glad that you got the, the earplug out of your ear. Me too. Yes. Because this would have been a very interesting <laughs> recording session <laughs> if I still had that sucker in my ear. <laughs> I could hear. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for Gregarious Goofballs. All right, Nikita, it's time for our favorite segment, Gregarious Goofballs. So what gregarious goofball story do you have for us? So I have a funny furball story. Awesome. Okay. Um, This story would be even funnier if I could show you guys the picture and maybe I'll have to find, dig it up and show it to you yeah. like on our website or our Facebook page. But, awesome. Um, about a year ago, 
um, my brother um, and his girlfriend, Mindy, and their dog, Zaza, were staying with us because they had just moved to Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were staying with us while they were kind of getting settled. Um, Zaza is, at the time, Zaza was maybe about a year old. And she's an, um, actually, I think she was quite a year old when they moved here. Um, she's an Australian Shepherd. Aww. And she's kind of like a mostly white with kind of like um, light brown um, uh, coloring. Pretty. So she's a beautiful dog. Mm-hmm. Beautiful dog. Um, but she she is something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> so um, Derek was getting up for work one morning Mm -hmm. my brother was working at night at the time Mm -hmm. and so he was he was uh in the room sleeping Uh and so (laughs) derek it rained the night before Uh uh-huh this is important to know okay rained the night before and so derek was derek got up heard zaza i guess she scratched in the door Uh or something he's like okay i'll let her out Uh uh-huh and so uh, for you know we Always let Ladybug likes to hang out outside, so we can let Ladybug her out. is your dog. Ladybug is my dog, yes. and we Ladybug can go outside and hang out for like half an hour or so, and uh-huh. just you know, kind of chill. Yeah. And so Derek was about to take a shower. Uh huh. And Derek to know Zaza very well to know that <laughs> she's a dog that you need to pay attention to uh, and not set and forget. Ah, uh, you know, set like and forget like we do at Ladybug. <laughs> and so Derek. <laughs> Derek let her outside. Uh huh. Let her go outdoors, and then he went to go take a shower. Uh huh. Well, Zaza was quite busy while he took a shower. Oh no. So out. So we have. We live in a townhouse. We have a pretty decent sized yard, and we've got uh-huh. kind of like the flower bed area. Yeah, yeah. Zaza had gone into like the little flower bed area. Uh huh. In the backyard, and dug a deep hole no deep her mind you zaza is mostly white her whole face was black oh no and as were her paws oh no derek goes down derek calls me like you need to see this and he had to go to work so he just put her my brother's sleeping he puts her in the kitchen and put and just puts the gate up like I'm not dealing. With this. Like no, this is not my dog. <laughs> so I wake, I wake my after looking at her. I've oh. got to find that picture and show you guys because I mean that's like, me telling can't do justice. I wake my brother up. My brother's sleeping good. Uh-huh. He can look out. He was in in this room that used to be a bedroom uh-huh. and he could look out the window and you could see what she did. That's oh, how big the hole no. was. It was huge. Oh, dang. It was a huge hole. It was hole. not just like a little no. flower pot She dug hole. a massive hole. <laughs> Apparently shepherds are known for digging. I yes. did not know this. Uh. She dug a massive hole. And so I woke my brother up. I'm like, Micah. Micah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where's Daza? I'm like, you might want to look outside. <laughs> oh my God, what does she do? So he looks outside and I see this gigantic hole and I'm like, oh no. And I'm like, she's downstairs in the kitchen. <laughs> it's one of those times when you like, wait for it. Yeah. Wait yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> so 
goofball. It was really the dog. Uh, it was really the dog. It was really yes, the dog. Yes, but but still. it was hilarious. I mean, oh she was like goodness. literally almost all black. Oh no! She's like mostly white. Oh I'm like, no! I don't know how long it took her to get clean. Oh but gosh! Apparently, she does stuff like that. <laughs> That's a typical. She's a movie. crazy dog. Oh, that is too funny. So yikes! Oh. So crazy runs even in the canine. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Miss Kim? Okay, so my my story is also within the animal kingdom, but my Ooh. my story has to do with our feathered friends. Oh, the birds. So, um, I have a RAV4. Okay. It is an older model. I think it's like 98, something like that. And it's got the tire on the back. Okay. And the, um, it used to have a tire cover and the tire cover rotted off. So no longer have the tire cover on there. I promise this has a point. I'm, 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 I'm waiting for it. So, um, so I don't drive it as often as I used to. It used to be our go-to car, but it has like over 250,000 miles on it. So we only take it like if we have to, you know, like go to Home Depot and put a whole bunch of stuff in the back of the car. It comes in real handy for that. So I wasn't driving it that often. And, um, uh, I decided I was going to take it to work with me. And so I'm driving to work. It's a beautiful spring day and I can hear the birds are chirping and I'm like that's such a lovely sign of spring isn't that wonderful to hear the birds chirping birds chirping spring they sound like they're chirping in the back seat (laughs) (laughs) and they just stayed that kind of loud chirping the whole way to work and I got to work (laughs) and I walked around the back and a bird had built a nest in the wheel well of the tire that was on the back of the RAV4, and oh there was a nest of baby birds. Oh, my God. So I look in the back, and all these baby birds are opening their mouths like feet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, no. Those little puppies, well, little birdies, had, had ridden in the back of the tire all the way. Now, luckily, I didn't drive that far. I was only 10 minutes away from work. But Mama don't know where her baby's at. Mama was probably like, what the heck? I left them right here. <laughs> where are my birdies? And, and they're hungry. And they're hungry. <laughs> so I told Jerry, and at that time, Jerry and I worked in the same office, and I said, Will you follow me home and I'll leave the RAV4 there and we'll go back to work together so Mama Bird won't freak out and not know where her birds are or babies Aww, are. Oh, sweet of you. Yeah, well, I don't know. I got a soft spot for animals. So so I didn't drive the RAV4 again until all the babies learned how to fly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll have to share my bird story with you one day. It's not as sweet as that one. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. I won't get along very well. Oh, okay, gotcha. Would you have done that? What would you have done if you found out you had a family of birds? Baby birds are sweet. They're cute, aren't they? They're cute. They're like all mouth. They're amazing. (laughs) You look in, you're like, holy schmoly. Yes, they do "Ah." have big mouths. They do, yeah. Uh They really do. They're very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like that um, that children's book. It's like, are you my mama? I'm like, I'm not your mama. You have to pay rent. (laughs) All right. So I'm excited for us to talk about this because we're talking today about hybrid publishing. Yes. And we've talked before about traditional publishing. Yes. 
And then we also talked about self-publishing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people aren't even aware that there is a hybrid publishing. I don't think they are. Yeah. I think it's um, and unless you are um, very educated or you know in the field like we are, it's, right. it's probably a relatively new term. So yeah, I'm excited to kind of share information about this this um, cool idea. Yeah, um, because I do think. Um, you know, we both have our own opinions about traditional publishing, right? And um, obviously, are very, very um, lean toward the self-publishing, right? Um, but hybrid is a really good medium, I think, yeah. in between the two, yeah. Um, especially for someone who might have that, you know, people have those ideals toward um, traditional publishing, and they're like, you know, I they just want to get picked up by a publisher, they want right. someone to be able to 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 take them on, and so um, I think this gives you that opportunity. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, um, when I think of hybrid publishing, I think about, so then when I first started thinking about writing a book, um, years ago, um, before we, before, um, Derek and I even moved to Richmond, I think, um, I looked into different publishing options and I don't even think I was familiar with the term hybrid publishing at the time. Right. But, um, I don't even know if they, they're still around, but there was, there were two particular, publishers that were catching my eye because one of them um was owned by um I feel like who are the by I guess Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. and so they had a hybrid publishing program that you would pay into and they had different tiers okay um and then the other one I can't remember the names of these of these programs because it's been so long. Yeah. But the one that really really caught my eye is um they were backed by Random House. Oh. And awesome. um and, and who doesn't know Random House? Right. As a publishing. Yeah, they're huge. They're a publishing giant, and so you know that that whole idea if you're someone who's romanticized about being picked up by a traditional publisher, mm-hmm. you go through a hybrid publisher that is backed by a a big traditional publishing name like Random House, yeah. if your book takes off, you have that opportunity to get recognized by one of the biggest publishers in the industry. And that's awesome. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits, I think, of yeah. hybrid publishing. Yeah. But that's my first memory, yeah. first glimpse of what hybrid publishing looked like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What about you? Very cool. I first heard of it, um, I was starting to look into publishing, I guess it was around... 2015 when I was still writing my book and I was starting to explore options and I knew I wanted to self publish and Mm -hmm. I thought, let me reach out and talk to some authors. And, um, I, um, had the good fortune in a training that I was taking. I met a gentleman and he has a good friend who, uh, had published a book. And so he's like, Oh, you want me to connect you? I'm like, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And so I got connected with this author and he was telling me, Oh, I did hybrid publishing. And I'm like, time out. What is this hybrid publishing? Right, right. I really didn't know much about it. And he said, well, you know, the company that he went with is not a, a big traditional publisher. It's a smaller publishing group. And, um, he said sometimes with, um, hybrid publishing, um, similar to self publishing, there's no advance. You, you pay money towards it right. with this one. He actually ended up getting a small advance. That's cool. Um, and the, um, publishing, the hybrid publisher did like a small launch party for him, which was pretty cool. That's cool. But his, um, book is actually published under his own name. Like his, his, his name is the publisher. And so I, I guess what they must've done is, is to help, um, uh, support him 
as he did the publishing for his book. So, okay. and, um, but yeah, it was really interesting to, to hear about that. Um, like I said, I hadn't known anything about hybrid publishing at that point, and I didn't even know that that was an option that existed. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, tell me more about what you've heard about hybrid publishing. Um, mostly that, I, I guess the biggest thing in terms of differentiating it from, like, your self-publishing, your traditional publishing is it, traditional publishing you have to get selected. Mm -hmm. And so from a traditional publisher's standpoint, um, you have to earn the right for them to represent you. Yeah. Because they are assuming 100% all of the risk. Right. Um, They're putting all of their, I mean, all the eggs are going in one basket. Right. They're putting all the money towards you. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a highly selective process because these companies put a lot of money behind whatever authors they decide they're going to represent. Right. Hybrid publishing is just that it's kind of like it's a meet in the middle between that traditional publisher and the self-publishing. Um, I do think, uh, so there's a fee involved. And mm-hmm. so that's a difference between that and traditional publishing because you don't pay, pay money up front right. for traditional publishing. Right. And if you're talking to a traditional publisher and they ask you for money up front, then you're talk- something's wrong with that right. situation. <laughs> right. um, but a hybrid publisher, uh, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, it, it's, it's really more or less... It, I think it's more of a partnership. Right. And um, it's really, you almost have to look at it like you're purchasing a service. You're purchasing yeah. a service from um, from that publishing house. Um, but one of the things I think is beneficial to going that route is if you're the, if you're one, you know, we've talked about the differences between um, traditional publishing and um, self-publishing um in some of our old uh, previous episodes. Right. And one of the reasons why someone would want to go with traditional publishing, other than just the name and notoriety, mm-hmm. is they don't want, they they feel the whole process of taking on publishing is a bit overwhelming. They don't, they want to have, they want to have that team that they can rely on. Right. That's handling all <clears throat> these pieces. Yeah. Because um, in self-publishing, you really have to assume you're, you're the CEO of your own publishing company, right? right? So you're right. assuming all the roles. Right. Well, in hybrid publishing, you have that team that's backing you. Right. And so it's maybe, it's not as extensive as it is in traditional publishing, mm-hmm. but you do have an editor maybe. Right. You know, depending right. on kind of, it really depends on how that hybrid publisher has um, built their packages because they're all priced differently. Right. Um, but you have people you have that team mm-hmm. that's going to stand behind you and that, that, that want to help you be successful in your book. Right. But at the same time, you're not turning everything over. It's not 100% I'm turning everything over to you. Right. You're working tandem. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, I think that's, that's ideal because you still maintain that creative control, which we right. think is, that's huge. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it really is. Uh, and so, I mean, for someone like you and I, we probably, you know, if you're not going to self-publish, we're a little bit more, our skills tip a little bit more toward hyper-publishing than right. traditional publishing. Right. And it really comes back to just having control over your own work yeah. um, because they're not going to judge you. And traditional publishers make so many changes to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is a lot of judgment and you could have a manuscript that's completely like not even recognizable by the end of it because <laughs> all they care about is what's going to sell, what's going to sell. Exactly. And because, because I think part of it with a hybrid publisher is because you're paying them. 
Yeah. You're paying them to provide a service to you. Right. They want to serve you. Whereas it's the other way around, I yeah. think, with a traditional publisher. I think that's Don't a, you agree? a very good way to put it because that, that, that the control factor and the, um, they, they, I mean, they want it to be marketable. And mm-hmm. if you're not paying them, you know, the <laughs> they, again, they have all the risks. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And that's the way they're looking at it. Like, you know, exactly. if they're assuming all the risks and they have all the control Yeah, and, um, if you look at it from that perspective, you have to look at it from a business perspective and not get, not take it personal, which is right. very easy to do because for most of us, our book is very personal to us. Yes. Um, but from a business standpoint, if you look at it from the way they look at it, a traditional publisher is assuming all the risks. They are putting all the money up front. Why wouldn't they right. be as selective as they are? And why wouldn't they be as controlling as they are? Because right. they're controlling, it's their dollars. Right. Um, and, you have the you have the right to kind of be that control factor uh-huh. in the hybrid publishing because you're the one that's putting up the dollars. Very true. Very true. Um, but that also goes to say when you're trying to evaluate what publishing option works best for you, I think it's also important to to evaluate if you decide that you want to go the hybrid publishing route. You also have to be prepared to 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 pay some money. Yes. So most it's definitely. not free. Um, it's usually going to run you a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not necessarily like, you know, 20 grand or anything. I think you can probably get a good hybrid publisher to represent you under, uh, under $10,000, True, but you have to be prepared to invest that amount of money into it. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind, but at the same, on the same, on that same note, if you choose to self-publish because people choose to self-publish to save money or to do things on a shoestring, mm-hmm. I think it's just as important. Maybe you don't spend as much money if mm-hmm. you self-publish mm-hmm. um, as you do if you were to go with a hybrid publisher. I think it's still important that you spend some money because if you don't take, if you don't take time to invest into the product that is your book, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Oh, most definitely. I think a lot of people make that mistake. I think so too. I, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think that like when we had the episode where we were talking about self-publishing, um, if you, if you are on a shoestring budget and you're like, you know what, I, I don't think I'm going to pay to have an editor look at my work. That's really not good. You're not going to have this quality of product as you would, you really at the minimum need a, a good editor. Mm-hmm. And that's something like, like we were saying with the hybrid publishing, um, frequently you have a team who uh, would include an editor. It might cl- include somebody who is um, an expert or as a graphic designer or mm-hmm. um, an illustrator who can create a really professional looking book cover for you as well. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, you are putting up some money, but you, you're, you're investing in the book and the better quality product you have in the end, more likely the, the more copies you're going to sell exactly, and the more accepted your product's going to be. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, I think another, another factor when you're looking at hybrid publishing over your traditional publishing, um, is you typically don't have to go through the, the very lengthy submission process. Right. Um, because you know, there's, this lengthy submission process you have to go through whenever you're trying to get recognized by a traditional publisher. And more often than not, 
the intermediary with that is a, um, a literary agent. So you've got to go yes. through all these different layers just to get recognized. Right. Um, and you kind of get an opportunity to skip that process when you look at a hybrid publisher. So it saves you some time. Yeah. Um, which is important because we talked about when we were talking about self-publishing is if you have a timeline mm-hmm. that you're trying to work with, um, then self-publishing is a, is a better option. Um, I think hybrid publishing gives you a little bit more flexibility to work within a timeline you can, you can control as well. Right. So that's, that's good. very doable. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think that's a good point is that it, because you can control the schedule more, um, I mean, obviously when we talked about traditional publishing, you know, you're awaiting someone to select you versus you are selecting them and saying, this is my schedule. You know, mm-hmm. it's a completely different mindset and ability. And if you say you're a, um, a coach and you're going to be going to a big conference and you want a book that's done by a certain date, right? that's where hybrid publishing um, can definitely be your friend. You know, you, yes, you spend the, the money on it um, up front, but you can, you know, more, more likely than not guarantee when your book will be available. Exactly. So that makes a huge difference. For sure. So, yeah. Are there any other areas we want to cover in this topic? Um, I don't think so. I think that's, that's pretty good. It's, it's worth exploring. Definitely. If, if it's something that, that, that if you want control of your book, if you have a certain time schedule that you want to follow, mm-hmm. um, and also too, if you if you want more expertise than just going it alone, yeah, that might be I think a good yeah. option. And it also, you know, um, I guess another benefit of of the hybrid publishing is, I mean, you get the creative control, but you also have um, better control over your income and the royalties because you don't really have control over that in the traditional publishing um, scheme. True. And you may be giving up some of the royalties compared to what you may be getting on the self-publishing side. Right. Um, but if you're in return, got a team of people that are working for you, yeah. then maybe it's a good trade-off. Yeah. You know, um, but typically, you know, you've got that creative control you get to maintain and you, you are able to be pretty much a retaining majority of your, income right which I think to me that's a big factor as well oh most definitely so so I definitely think hybrid publishing is worth people taking a look at as an option too right so I think we're ready to go over uh what we talked about with uh hybrid publishing yes absolutely so to summarize I think we definitely would say hybrid publishing is something worthwhile to look into. It's definitely worthwhile to look in, into it. It's a perfect intermediary intermediary between traditional publishing and self-publishing. So if you don't want to jump in and, um, and, and wear all the hats like you do for self-publishing, mm-hmm. but you, um, you don't necessarily want to dive in on the traditional publishing with with all the baggage that comes with trying to get, get published by them. Right. Um, I think hybrid publishing offers you a perfect in between yeah. for those. That's a good um, way to put it. Yeah. Um, I think, that, I mean, that's really the, the really easiest way to sum it up. I think that the few things you want to keep in mind mm-hmm. when you're, when you're um, going the hybrid publishing route is that you do need to have a budget. Definitely. Um, it, there is a cost associated with it. So it's not, it's not free. Um, because you're pretty much hiring, you're as opposed to traditional publishing where the team 
you have a team behind you, but you are selected. Right. Um, in hybrid publishing, you're hiring that team. Right. Essentially. Right. So, um, so there is a cost associated with it. Um, so just be prepared um, to pay that cost. Very true. Mm-hmm. But on the plus side, like you were saying, because you are paying that cost, you do um, often have people on a team uh, um Similar to traditional publishing in that you may have an editor and somebody who can help do um, graphic design mm-hmm. and create covers. So um, it, it, it's often um, a good option because you will end up with a very professional looking product. Exactly. It takes a lot of the pressure off of you. I mean, for, you know, some, some people may be ready gung ho to do everything on their own in in terms of doing Mm self-publishing, but, but publishing a book, I mean, a book is a product and, and, Mm -hmm. and you have to build a platform around that product, um, to really produce, um, quality results. True. And, um, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And so I think the hybrid publishing route take some of that overwhelm away because you're sharing the responsibility with someone else. Yeah, most definitely. Nice. Yeah. So anything else you can think good. No, we just think that it's definitely, like you said, it's something that um, you should definitely look into. Yeah. Because it's a great option to consider if you're looking to publish your book. Definitely. So right. excellent. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Yes. And I hope you guys learned a little bit about hybrid publishing today. It's still a relatively new term. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that you were able to learn a little bit to check it out. There we go. Now you can drop it into conversation. That's right. Hey. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Sociable Scribes podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week to learn more amazing tips on writing and publishing. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend.